this series is titled, That's Rich. Now you can say that a lot of different ways, can't you? You can eat a meal and go, geez, that's a rich meal. Or you can listen to someone do something inappropriate and 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 perhaps uh, cynically say, that's rich. Or you can look at somebody's um, way of doing life and appreciate that the way they do life uh, has value to it and call that rich. And so when the pastors and I were away on retreat, we settled on three series a year that we would go onto the screen in our churches because the screen's are not as good as having a person preaching in the room, right? And so we settled on three uh, times a year. One would be a culture conversation. Who are we as a church and why do we do church the way we do? One will be a foundation series, something like the gospel of grace and a biblical understanding of grace. And one will be a teaching of one. And this is that one. So I said to the pastors, which one would you like me to tackle? And they gave me this topic. They said, is tithing New Testament biblical? And how do we handle our money as Christians? Now I know all you want to do is run away right now, but it's just, I just want you to calm down. It's okay. It's very dark here. We can't see any expression. It's okay. I remember the first time I ate sushi. I had avoided, are you all hungry now? I had avoided it for quite some time and I uh, was dared by a friend and lost a bet and had to, as punishment, eat sushi. Now, to be fair, I do love sushi now, but at the time, I couldn't get my head around it. And so we went to a place and I, 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 had to, I, wasn't, allowed, I wasn't allowed to start on a Californian roll. It's a Californian roll does not seem... Uh, full sushi, right? It had to be a sashimi uh, um, sushi. So, so, so that's just raw fish. Just it's a fancy word for raw fish, but nicely cut. And it was stacked up. And I ordered a coke to drink. And for every bite of sashimi, I completed a can of coke. I'm not even joking. I was like, it's gonna stay down. I believe that coke can strip rust off. Uh, <laughs> you know, rust off things because I'd seen all those YouTube things, all, the, all, all those rumors. And so I thought if there's hojas in there, it's going to go down there. The Coca-Cola is going to deal with it. I had, I had four pieces of sashimi and two liters, two liters of Coke. And I quite, uh, I quite enjoyed it. Nothing happened. I, I was fine. I, I lived through the experience. I even got to enjoy it. And now, if I really want to treat myself, uh, my go-to is a, a really well-prepared sushi meal. This topic of generosity, wealth creation, money, and giving is one of those topics that a lot of Christians need to eat a little bite and then just have like a liter of something sweet, like God is so good. Uh, he's going to heal your body. Uh, he's going to, you know, deliver your mind. Back to generosity. Um, I also feel particularly uh, 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 um, uniquely um, equipped um, to talk on the topic because it's the one area in my 30 years of ministry um, that I got totally wrong and failed at for the first half of my ministry. Totally got it wrong. And it's a very personal story uh, I want to tell you, just to set things up. Um, God, uh, uh, through His divine providence, and me through uh, the family I grew up in, um, 
was always very, I was always very entrepreneurial. Uh, in fact, I think I um, bought my first property when I was in, in, in Port Elizabeth, uh, got to Port Elizabeth when I was 22. Uh, I bought a property, uh, it's a complicated uh, set of circumstances, but I bought four hectares of land uh, next to the Van Staden's River Gorge. And I flipped it, sold it, and doubled my money before the original purchase registered. So before it was officially in my name, I flipped it. All I did was went there and trimmed out bush, left the trees, prayed over it, and then I took the money and started a church at the university. And that became my habit. I flipped houses and put the money into the church. And then when I ran out of money, I'd ask my father and he'd put money in. And on his death during COVID, it proved to be such a sensitive issue with my family and my brothers who felt it was wrong what I was doing by uh, funding sort of my own calling. They felt it was wrong. Until one day in this building, we had moved into this building, um, uh, we ran out of money. And there was nothing else I could do but learn how to do it God's way. And I thought my self-sacrificing, refuse to talk about the topic, uh, it's too sensitive thing was the right way to go about it. But it is completely unhealthy and wrong to never want to talk about something that is important. When you say, I don't want to talk about it, it means there's bruising there. And one has to be willing to confront it. I was so affronted by this at my dad's funeral and the tension around this. And I'm, it's really been, been a year that I'm able to talk about this, that I wanted to um, become bivocational and volunteer at church and go back to starting a business of some kind just to prove to myself and to be honest, my family, um, that I could do it. And I, uh, so I did actually, I uh, did a little Airbnb at my apartment. Do you guys want to know the stats about that, by the way? I mean, I think it's pretty cool, don't you? I mean, I have to lighten the mood somehow. This is the Coca-Cola bit of the sushi eating exercise, right? Is that okay? Um, Cape Town, you're good there? Um, so so uh, I, I have an apartment uh, uh, under my home. It's a sort of a double-story thing. And I have an apartment. I mean, I'll tell you how much this topic was such a bag. I have a nice yard, 2,000 square meters. I have a nice house and at the back like a, a garage with a little studio underneath, also double story. I painted the front half of my house exterior black because I think that's cool. And I painted the top half white so people driving past wouldn't think the pastor owns all of it. It's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. Guess what I did last month? Painted them both black. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. So here, here are all the stats. So, so uh, I had a tenant, a young man downstairs. He um, is doing his internship year in KZN, so it's vacant. I used to get 5,500 rand rent there. I cleaned it up and prepped it because I know how to, because I flipped houses, because I told you that, and I prepared it, and I opened it for business on the 16th of January. <laughs> no, no, I've got more news, more Coca-Cola. I told you, you need a liter. Uh, um, and uh, it has been fully booked except for two nights of the month of January at an average income of 650 rand a night, netting me 9,000 rand in 15 days. Oh, I know this is... Now all of you are going to rush out going, see the pastor, the pastor. 
uh, I needed to prove something to myself. And I think we need to appreciate, do you know, the Bible has more to say about wealth creation than how to run a church service. But we take all of our faith and we manifest it in one hour a week in a building. And I think that's very unhealthy. And if I was doing something wrong, I would have liked to have been told that sooner. And if there's a better way to do something, I'd like to know that too. And in the topic of wealth, wealth creation, legacy, generosity, and finance, there is a biblical way of doing it. And I'd like to know about it. And I'd like to teach it. Are we all okay with that? Can we say amen? For some strange reason, and for the first time in 10 years, the clock on the screen isn't working properly. It's just told me I have 35 more minutes to preach. I'm so excited right now, even though I know it's wrong. So I'd like to introduce you to quite a lot of scripture today. And by the end of this series in three weeks, I'll answer the question, the questions people ask us all the time about this. Is 10% still legit in the New Testament? And is the church a business? And uh, is, is, there, is there accountability on what happens with it? And can I invite God to help me make money? It's like those awkward, you know, used to pray for sports teams before they went on the field. And I always had like an awkward, what if there are Christians on both sides? Like who, a little bit more Coca-Cola. Like who does God, who's prayer, like I felt such personal like uh, evaluation of my faithfulness. Like if they won, good pastor, you, God heard your prayers. If they lost, I had to like sinners. Uh, it's your guy's fault. Can we invite God into wealth creation? Or is that something we just, you know, that's something we keep to the side and, and spiritual stuff is one thing and is another. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm using the message a bit, but I'm going to use the NRV mostly because I think on topics of content, doctrinal content, it's good to go to a reputable translation um, on accuracy. It says this, uh, a devout life, does bring wealth. But it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God since we entered into the world penniless and will leave it penniless. Uh, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. Now, initially you might think, see, everybody focuses on, on the that's enough. We think being good Christians means that we should learn to make do with little. But that verse starts with a devoted life creates wealth. But then it goes on to say, be careful wealth doesn't change you, be yourself. And then it goes on to say, and contentment is not the product of quantity, contentment is the product of gratitude. Now we should, as grown-ups, be able to do all of that, create it. Be ourselves, you know, uh, for years people used to say, money changes you. And then after a while it became popular to say, no, money doesn't change you. Money just highlights who you always were. Money changes you. I mean, your teeth go water. <laughs> Can we just talk about Simon Cowell for a moment? I don't know what's going on there. Like somebody used to just set him free. Teeth go water and you get hair implants and... I've thought about it, but it's the best ones are in Turkey, and I'm just not emotionally as a Greek ready to go to Turkey for that. 
course it changes you. It changes you in certain ways. So the Bible's out there saying, watch out who it makes you. You should be careful that you don't make money and then money makes you. You should be careful that God makes you. And so there's this context in which that is true. Then Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4 uh, says this. Just then, also from the message, he looked up and saw the rich people dropping off offerings in the collection plate. And then he saw a poor widow uh, put in two pennies. And he said, the plain truth is that this widow has given by far the largest offering today. All these, other, all these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. And so there is the sense in Scripture that uh, wealth is not measured in currency. Let's really be careful about that. Um, do, do you know, um, your wealth isn't measured in rands or dollars or pounds or euros. Your wealth is measured in character, not in currency. Can you say amen? But it is not spiritual to be poor. <laughs> I think we have to be really, okay, so I need some Coca-Cola now. Um, so funny story uh, the other day. It's not spiritual. Um, I'm worried. I'm a little worried that Christianity falls into two categories. Like I genuinely thought, like, should I wear a power suit to come preach this topic? Like, is that the vibe? It falls into two categories. Either the name it and claim it types. Oh, God is going to bless you and release the monies in the devil's hands. It's coming out of the auntie to you. Or it's this alternative, which is false humility. I don't have much, but I got God. And both are unhealthy. Both are unhealthy. God has created you with capacity to generate wealth. Deuteronomy 18 says, for it is God who has given us the power to create wealth, create it so that we may establish his covenant on the earth. But one has to be careful that you don't measure your worth by your material wealth. You should measure your worth by the character of your heart and not the currency in your hands. Can you say amen to that? I think that's really important. And now I'm going to read a little chunk of scripture. It's like fascinating. It's like almost like the bold and the beautiful. Is that still on? Surely their grandchildren are now in there. I mean, is that still on? No, it's not. Let's, let's say it's like the real housewives of Durban. Okay, I shouldn't have said that. That fell flat. Um, I'm going to read a whole chunk of scripture that is absolutely fascinating in order to get just one principle out of it and then I'm going to start teaching on this topic. Here's what it says. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 5 from a legit translation, the New International Version. Wherever Ryan is in the service, he is here, I expect a clap or cheer from you when I make the point, Ryan, because this is the moment you have been waiting for after 50 years. I refer to Ryan because when we ran out of money, uh, out of often my own family money, my own personal money. Um, if you guys don't know, so in the end, to legalize all the giving and make sure that my loaning, it didn't become like a tax burden and a donations tax, a, a loan was created where the church owed George and his family 3.4 million and we, we've been paying it off steadily and I think we're at 2 million now, owed 2 
um, um, me and my family. And my family's big argument with me was, you should not have employed another person or added another church or done another thing until you paid it off. You should have paid it off and we're angry with you. So it caused a lot of family drama. It still is quite sensitive. So uh, back to Coca-Cola. That sushi was hard to go down there. Eh? That was sticky sushi. Uh, 1 Timothy 5 says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these, their children, uh, must first lear, uh, learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. So children and grandchildren should look after their their, their grandparents. Uh, uh, it shouldn't be uh, the job of the church, and so repay their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who really is in need and left all alone and puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help, but the widow who lives for pleasure uh, is dead even while she lives. Uh, Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, is denied the faith and is worth worse than the unbeliever. I'm desperately looking for Coke here, guys. Coca-Cola. But watch this. No widow may be put on the list of widows. Can I ask you to do a really cheesy thing? Could you just repeat the word, li- the word list after me? Could you do that? Is that Okay. I'm not tricking you, I promise. It's not a trick. On the count of three, just one, two, three. Right, so um, uh, on the list of widows, unless she is over 60, uh, so we are all far from that, and has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children and showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. And then this next one's hectic. As for the younger widows, do not put them on such a list uh, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. That's hectic, isn't it? Uh, what is the one principle I want to draw out of that? Ryan, are you ready? Spreadsheets are spiritual. <laughs> now, you don't want to clap. I can see you don't want to clap. That, is, that was the most reluctant clap in, in church life history. Um, so when we got to that point as a church, when we ran out and I, a, a few things happened, ran out of money. One thing that happened was that people, one or two people told me uh, that I must not continue to, to do uh, any side hustles or house flipping or anything because if I was really called, then God would provide. So I stopped doing it. What terrible advice. I'm claiming it back now. That's such terrible advice. Why would God put that in my bag, an ability to do that, if he didn't expect me to utilize it? It was just terrible Religion and religion has been abusive both, both to its attendees and its leaders over centuries. We constantly have to clean it from human fingerprints in order for it to have the fingerprints of God. And the second thing that happened was I just refused to look at the facts. I just refused. Then one day, Ryan, who was on staff then already as our foundation um, founder and coordinator, pulled me aside and said, I can see you're struggling, you're suffering. Why don't you, I'm good with spreadsheets. Why don't you let me help you? And if you will do two things, you will just trust me and not work against me and be honest with me. We can work our way out of this. 
And so I put it all on spreadsheets. I did not want to see it. I'm still rebuking it. And he said, you've got to trust me. And a turnaround began to happen. He met with the landlord. I'll never forget this. He met with the landlord and said, look, we took a big step to come here. It was perhaps a bit premature. Can we ask for a reduction in rent and we'll work our way up? At the time, we were paying 100000 a month. Oh, no, we're far from that now. Don't whistle at that. You'll choke at the real one. And so the landlord said, how much do you want to pay? He said, one rand. He said, one rand a month. And he said, and even that's, a, um, I'm pushing my spreadsheet. I, sh- I shrink under the, if the floor could eat me up, it would have. And in fact, he said to me in the meeting, please, please don't speak. Because you are always evangelistic when you speak. If the landlord says, give us 50,000, you say, make it 60. You're always fighting the wrong side of the table against yourself. Just keep quiet. Leave it with me. And to this day, I joke that I would probably be in jail if it wasn't for Ryan. Do you know that passage of scripture uh, reminds us, tells us, that even in Bible times, the church leaders had lists. Isn't that interesting? Because the way you read the Bible, you would think all they did was roam around sort of flicking holy oil on people, finding a goldfish pond, let's make it double the fish. Well, let's multiply those fish. Walking across to the hospital, emptying that out, you know, floating on water, floating on clouds, walking on water. These were disciples who had to at the end of the month sit down and say, listen, is so-and-so, has she been a, a good woman and a generous woman? Can we add her onto the list so that we can provide for her financially and make sure she's taken care of? She's got no relatives. It's our duty to do that. Being spiritual and apostolic and miraculous and at the beginning of the founding of the church is not an excuse to not have a spreadsheet and write things down and prepare and be diligent and be a good steward. Spiritual people did it. Can we say amen? So so you don't want to clap for that. eh? No one wants to clap for spreadsheets. But I think it's important. I really genuinely think it's important. Let me uh, throw one more of these foundation-laying scriptures at you. Then I'm going to teach you three or four principles to start this series on. I wonder if you've ever wondered to yourself, did Jesus take up offerings? Have you ever thought about that? Okay, well, I mean, I don't know if I have an answer, but I have a verse. John chapter 12, but one of his disciples, I'm sorry it's Judas. I wished it was somebody else. I genuinely wished it was somebody else, but it's not. He's the guy. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. That's your, it's just coming down to the point, eh? And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. I mean, Judas, ultimate Ponzi scheme guy, just helping himself. But 12 disciples, Judas is one of them, and he is the portfolio of finance. Well, why would you need a portfolio of finance? Where'd the bag come from? What went into it? 
And you might say, there's no example in the scripture of an offering being taken up. You are right. You're completely right. There is no example of that. I suspect the reason for that was it's assumed. Like when the widow put her two mites in or it's assumed that when you come to an event, you just bring something. When you come to a dinner, you just bring something. It's just assumed. I wanted to show you as a, by way of introduction that God is not afraid of blessing our wealth creation. And we should not be afraid of managing and stewarding our wealth creation. It is God who blesses us and it is our opportunity to be a blessing. Can you say amen to that? If we just close our eyes, you'll find out that you get the wrong information from the wrong sources. If the church doesn't say something about this, then Instagram will. YouTube will. How many of you will admit you've fallen down some rabbit hole on YouTube telling you that this or that is a lie and not in the Bible and you've wondered about it, especially when it comes to finances. And to suddenly realize that right from the very beginning, Jesus had a man on his team with the portfolio, the money bag. That the disciples had lists and were careful who to include on the list and who to take care of and who should cover that and who's responsible for it. That they had conversations. Remember that Timothy scripture? I know we need some coke quite soon in this discussion. I can see the sushi is struggling. Um, we remember in that passage of that teach these things to all people. Okay, so let me uh, backpedal a little, backtrack a little. Um, the number one prayer request we get in our prayer cards as churches is pray for financial breakthrough. Should we not also pray and practice the principles of faith in that area so that there is breakthrough? Should we not have every weapon of warfare, every tool at our disposal to do it the way God would have us do it? Can you say amen to that? When I jokingly mentioned to one of the leadership team in Jeffreys Bay this topic and asked for their questions, they said, oh, I knew it. Eventually the pastor's going to say, uh, uh, let's talk about this. I, I bet the pastor needs a new car, they're going to say, or I bet the pastor wants to buy a boat, they're going to say. Let me clarify uh, something for you. You, you know that um, uh, a church is a non-profit organization and that the salaries are set so that even if it grows, you, you don't take the extra money home. <laughs> that would be Judas. He tried that. And that our salaries are set in keeping with school salaries. So the headmaster of a school would more or less earn the same as the senior pastor of a church. And we use that as our benchmark. So let's get rid of that idea. Let's rather say there are widows and orphans we need to take care of. And there are lists we need to make. And there are situations we need to step into. And there is a responsibility and an opportunity to be the change in the world we need to be. Can you say amen to that?
So I, th- I think you guys, we're through the worst, okay? The worst of it is over now. Now it's just going to be just four really cool alliterated principles. But in the next two weeks coming up, I want to delve into what Scripture says we should do and what Scripture says we should be aware of or careful of. And then by the third week, I want to show you how generosity reveals Christ to us. Because I don't want to do anything in my life that doesn't show me a little something of who Jesus is and to follow and obey after him. And I want to encourage you, don't tap out. It's going to be super cool. Like the worst is over. You made it. But we're going to have a conversation about how to invite God. Today, starting today, I'm going to invite God into that private space of your life, wealth and wealth creation. I'm going to invite him into your bank account. How many of you know there's a bit of space there for him to move into? Can you say, (laughs) I'm getting charismatic. Oh, Jesus responses uh, from the charismatics. I'm going to invite him into our budget, into our plans. I'm going to set him up well. And you're going to look back and go, but this is a blessing. Do you know one of the very first guests, I think the second guest, I don't want to... um, make it more mystical than it needs to be. The second guest at my little Airbnb, um, I opened, I let her in. She's in provincial government. And um, I said, here's tea and coffee and there's this and that. And, the, and she said, oh, I'm on a fast. Oh, I said, what kind of fast? She said, I'm on a Daniel fast. You know, I'm just 20, 21 days um, and it's just veggies and I said, oh, that's amazing. Is that something you're doing on your own or as part of a group? No, no, she said, I'm part of a church. I don't want to bore you with the details. I said, no, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. She said, you know, I'm part of a a church that I joined while I was a student and used to be called his people, but now it's called Every Nation. I said, who's your pastor? She said, I don't know if you'll know the guy, you know, it's Olajide. I said, you phone him now. Now, and you tell him you're speaking to a guy called Pastor George. She said, Pastor George, he's quoted you. I know you. I said, no, you don't know me. She said, no, I know you. I said, ma'am, I don't know you. She said, I know you, you just don't know me. I got to see the divine plan of God when you put God in something. And you obey what he wants to do. You can fight your way. You can fight your way. And you keep slapping God's wrist out of your business. Or you can do your business God's way. And you will see things that you didn't think was possible. You thought was only on late night TV shows with mysterious titles. You'll see things that God does in a supernatural and powerful way. If you'll let him in there. You'll let him in there. Okay, so I've got five minutes. Can, can we do three points in five minutes? I think so. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, let's go. Number one, uh, uh, resource, wealth creation, money and finance is normal and essential. Let's just normalize it. You see, the moment you make it weird, your heart grows resistant. Don't make it weird. You know, if somebody's in a relationship and you ask them, oh, who is it? And they won't tell you. That's weird. When, when, somebody, when I ask somebody, are you dating? Well, 
it's complicated. I don't really want to talk about it. I'm just telling you, that's weird. That's weird. When you say to somebody, uh, how long have you been single? And then they go, um, well, I'm not technically, see, no, that's weird. Can we just normalize it? If we normalize it, like anything, if we normalize it, God can have a conversation with us about it. But if we turn it into a weird thing, we're going to fall into some strange, bizarre thing. And churches must also not make it weird. Churches do make it weird. There's weird stuff on TV. I watch on usually I watch some stuff. Pastors walking over money, trying to bless it. Like, can you just stop, please? Just stop. Just be normal. I mean, spiritual, but not weird. Because you, you really you are just, you're making the job harder for the rest of us. Because now I have to come dressed as humbly as I can. No power suit because I don't want to be that weird guy. People throwing things at them, leaving it here. It's just weird. Don't be weird. It's normal. 1 Corinthians 16, talk about everyday instructions on the first day of the week because people were paid weekly in those days. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, save it up, so that when I come, no special collections will have to be made. It's practical. It's in the Bible. It's normal. Just normal conversation. Hey, it's normal. Just like your faith. Just make it normal. You don't have to sort of start shaking when you're about to tell people you come to church. You just say, hi, how are you doing? You're good. I'm going to church. One of my guests checking out this morning. Uh, what time would you like to check out? Well, but what about between this time and that time? No problem. Let's make it that time. I'm at church. Oh, she said. That's a long time to be at church. Are you quite involved? <laughs> I said, ma'am, you have no idea. I said, ma'am, what do you do? She said, well, I'm a, I'm a professor at Grahamstown University. I'm on my way there. So I said, good, good. I said, can I keep your contact details? Because when we start a church, they went, I don't know. I mean, we might. I'd like to have some, I'd like to start. She said, that's a great idea. Yeah, here's my details. I'm going to plant churches out of that Airbnb. I don't care what you tell me. And, and, and I'm going to do it at 700 rand a night. That's what I'm telling you I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to make it normal. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Same as those people, you take them to lunch or dinner and every time the bull comes around, they get weird. Off to the bathroom. Oh, you won't believe what happened. Uh, the thing is, my card is a new card and I haven't activated the tap and the thing and I just need to transfer. You're being weird. You do that during the offering. I can feel the charismatic thing has hit me and I just need to, I just need to take a breath and calm down. Uh, money is spiritual. That was a snort of a laugh. <laughs> and it's from a friend. Cameron, what is going on? Um, money is spiritual. Uh, why is everything else in your life spiritual except that? What's going on with that? And if it's not spiritual, then what is it? Because the Bible has two things, spiritual and carnal. There's nothing in between. So I'd rather have it in the spiritual than in the carnal. So it's spiritual. Wealth creation is spiritual. Uh, Luke chapter 14, um, then he turned to the host. He said, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Instead, invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits uh, from the wrong side of the tracks, 
and you'll be and you'll experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. And oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. That's what we do here. Those who can't are invited because those of us who can have learned the lesson of inviting everybody to the dinner, not just the people we can get something out of. Thirdly, it's universal. Rich and poor. Greeks and barbarians. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need to end the service. It's going the wrong way. And I'm back to Nata. I'm back to Nata uh, talking about um, the receiving an, of abundance from the Holy Spirit. We're working towards an evening of wholehearted here in North End. I know the other churches are going, why do you tell us about stuff we can't come? Well, just so you know, we, we believe in the receiving of the Spirit. Maybe somebody just needs to hear that somewhere. Uh, Proverbs 22, the rich and the poor shake hands as equals. Oh, I like that. That's what church is. Everybody shakes hands as equals. See, there's some places that are clubs. You've got to arrive with a hand that has a certain kind of watch to shake hands with you. Not in God's household. We give what we can, we serve where we can, we trust God together, and when we look at each other, we stand equal before God, for we are children of God. It's universal. And finally, it's internal. I learned a lesson those years ago in my conversations with business people, with Ryan, with um, my family. Do you know what I learned? I never had a lack of or abundance of money problem. I had a heart problem. It's pride or it's fear or it's insecurity or it's arrogance. It's something that manifests itself through money. But it isn't money. See, like, I didn't want to paint my whole house property the same color because I... It wasn't a money thing. That was, that was shame. I was embarrassed that people would say, oh, the pastor has that property. I got a great deal. I paid 1.1 million rand for that property. The guy we congratulated for being agent of the year sold it to me. He was the agent. Got a great deal. He found the perfect place. It's doubled in value since. Am I supposed to be ashamed of that? Or should I rather say, how good is God? that when you put your trust in him and you're willing to take steps of faith, then he makes a way where there seems to be no way and he opens rivers. Should we not talk about it, just make it weird or should we just say, it is what it is. Proverbs 23, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Restrain yourself. Riches disappear in the blink of an eye. Wealth sprouts wings and flies off in the wild blue yonder. How many of you are like, that has been my verse so far. But from today, it's flying back in Jesus' name. Okay, last verse, and then I'm, I've tapped out. Ecclesiastes 5. It's got a little bit of Coca-Cola, a little bit of sushi in it. Hard and honest work earns a good night's sleep, whether supper is beans or steak, but a rich man's belly gives him insomnia. Here's what it's... Here's what it's saying. Don't, don't misread it. 
Saints, stay with me. Here's what it's saying. It's saying, um, if you live for your belly, you don't sleep well. That's what it's trying to say. It's trying to say, I don't mind if in some seasons I don't have everything and in other seasons I've got everything. I'm okay because I sleep well. So I want to build now on the back half of my project. I'm going to paint that building black too. It's all going to be one big plot. And I looked at my finances. I got my list out. I realized, eh, I'll have to cut DSTV and Showmax and Disney Plus <laughs> and Netflix. I'm unsure about Netflix, to be honest. I'll watch The Chosen on the app. So. And I'll have to do, so I'll do a weekly uh, Mr. Delivery meal once a week. That's, I think, financially and uh, physically as much as I can take. It's going to have to be once a month. Um, but the point is, I got a list, and the list helps me manage my life a bit better. And I'm not going to feel like I'm suffering because I don't live for my stomach. I live for my calling. And so I sleep well at night, even if I don't have DST at the moment. I mean, that's, it's okay. Don't buy the lie of the world that you have to have certain things in order to be somebody. That's a lie. The spirit of this world will keep you poor. And you will come to church with that mindset and act like it's God trying to keep you humble. And it is not. It is a spirit of this world. It must break. Okay, I'm done. Could you stand with me as we pray? Amen. To have some kind of a cheer at the end of a topic like this, I think is a miracle. So thank you for being so considerate and kind-hearted. And I'm just going to do a quick prayer because I'm I'm over time. Um, And I want to remind you that there are people up front here to pray with you on any topic, not just this one, eh? anything we talk about, but also anything you're going through. Communion at the front of all our churches. Coffee afterwards. We stay as long as we attend church too afterwards. So I encourage you to do that. Father, would you please teach us your word and where our hearts have been in chains by the mindset or spirit of this world, will you please set us free? Will you help us to make healthy and normal, spiritual and internal, every part of our lives, not excluding any, would you teach us that wealth creation is divine inspiration and is intended so that those of us who have been blessed by you can be a blessing to the guests we'll invite to the supper. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God one more shout of praise? God bless churches.